looking at? I'm Fathery. I'm Aaron. And this is Text Trek. And this is Drawn to Trek. Captain's log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vendorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 265th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And this is also Drawn to Trek, a Star Trek animation podcast brought to you by Trek Geeks, and it's episode 21. And tonight we're talking about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 4, Episode 9, The Inner Light, written by Mike McMahon and directed by Brandon Williams. And it's a it's a big episode. Yes. So I guess part part one of a, of a finale. You can tell it's a big episode when we get screeners very late and filled with like big red text about not sharing information. Yeah, please, or anything please like do that. not spoil. Yeah. Yes. So, but I think everyone was good. I didn't hear anything leak, so everyone no, was well behaved. So. We had some big surprises though, and we were kind of speculating last week, like, oh, they they're acting kind of funny, you know, so they they might be giving us some big surprise, and and, and we got it. So uh, Jill said we said the inner light. It's actually the inner fight. <laughs> did I say that? Uh, that's what Jill says. I did. I did. I actually, Jill, I actually, I wrote <laughs> the inner light in my notes. So everyone who's not watching us live, who is listening to this later, they're just like, Fathery, why did you say the inner <laughs> light instead of the inner fight? But like, then they listen like another minute or two. And then they're, they're like, driving oh, on the road, yelling at the radio, it. or <laughs> yelling at the podcast player. And I, I could have gone and edited that and fixed that and avoided that confusion for you dear listener but i felt like that was an important life lesson and not jumping to conclusions so you're welcome (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) so what did you think of this episode you want to start that out or in one second just like a a little bit of a quick housekeeping i'm leaving after this go to a party so my brain has sort of walked out the door already (laughs) you're already aaron's already checked out yeah, but uh, we're we're having a party. We're having a we're having a watch party on uh, November eighteenth in a few weeks. So uh, with all of the mm-hmm. lovely Text Trek Patreon supporters, so if anyone wants to uh, come watch Charlie X with us and have a uh, we're gonna have like a mock um I don't know Thanksgiving celebration around a, an imaginary dining table in the uh, the mess hall of the Starship Texas and uh, watch uh, uh, a teenager with superpowers. Well, I always like Charlie X, but I don't know. Some people think it's like cringy. I don't know. They they, 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 they get like, they're, they they laugh the at it. They laugh at Charlie. The part is weird. That's probably, I think people kind of like find that odd. It kind of has like that, like that early season one TOS kind of like horror movie vibes. Like, yeah, the way it's lit, especially. Yeah. Then we, when, you know, you see someone walking around with no face and. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of like that same kind of like monstrous imagery of like assault vampire or mm-hmm. the way I heard that was assault vampire, not a salt vampire. It's like it's oh, those vampire. would be <laughs> an assault vampire would also be monstrous. I yes. mean that that's arguably worse. Uh, that might be the worst form of vampire. 
but but yeah, so if if you uh, can uh, help out in the Patreon, you come in as little as two dollars a month. That helps us continue to do the weekly live show, and it will get you into the watch parties. If you can afford to be more generous, there's some additional perks as well. Uh, check all that in the link in the description wherever you are watching or listening. There's not really much else in way of news. I just wanted to give a a shout out to uh, Dr. Francis Smith, who I know like a lot of people in like the Star Trek fandom were friends of. He was a uh, regular on the Star Trek cruise, and uh, he had been at uh, Star Trek, uh, the the STLV convention, uh, the last, uh, at least the last two. I, I didn't know him very well. I didn't talk to him a ton, but I, I would just see him around at stuff over the years and, and would say hi to him. He sadly passed away this week, and it's going to be it's going to be weird, you know, not seeing him on the cruise in February. He he's normally you know always kind of like the life of the party. Talk. He's always like talking to people. That's part of the reason why I never spoke to him much because he's typically kind of chit chatting with someone else. But um, cool dude. Uh, that's sad. <sighs> but uh, but yeah, I think that's it. So okay. uh, Star Trek Lower Decks season four episode nine, the inner fight. I got it yes. right that time, right? <laughs> but okay, uh, I'll refresh this episode for everyone by just uh, reading the uh, synopsis and then kind of expanding that with spoilers. But the uh, official synopsis reads, Captain Freeman assigns the Lower Deckers an overly safe mission to try and keep a self-destructive Mariner out of danger. And yes, it is because they are going on a mission to find Nick Locarno. The mysterious ship has been threatening ex-Starfleet officers, and so while they're doing that, Mariner is sent on a very safe mission to look at a a buoy, like a weather monitoring station buoy thing, but uh, we end up we end up discovering that Nick Locarno is the mastermind behind all of the, the mystery ship abductions. I guess they're taking, like, the captains and first officers, it would seem like, and then it turned the ships over. Thinking of the other people who were on that list, because we all keep looking at Nick Locarno. Well, I think it's Locarno is recruiting them. Right. But I guess he might, I don't know, if they're, if he was, like, actually attacking them. I mean, maybe maybe there, there might be something else going on in there. I don't know, maybe for some reason he's targeting ex-Starfleeters for an unknown reason. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. But yeah, so that was that was the reveal, and it ends with a, a bit of a cliffhanger with Mariner abducted by Locarno on on the mystery ship. They they, they kind of got some help. The Cerritos has some help with uh, Ma'a and his. Uh, he's got a bird of prey and his you know crew of I guess Ferengi and Binar and Orion's <laughs> all united together. So the Cerritos has some backup. But yeah, I guess we're gonna have to uh, go save Mariner in the finale. But before then, uh, Aaron, what was kind of your, your broad takeaway on the inner fight before we get into the episode breakdown? I like it. I especially like the fact that it's like, it was surprising. Like that was, you know, not it, not surprising in a bad way. Like I know that there really isn't too many clues leading up to that specific person, probably not any. Um, you know, because that was the problem I had with the burn. There was like no way for you to figure out what happened. But in the burn, they were trying to figure it out and they would just sort of sprinkle it in. And this, it was like always in the beginning of every episode. And it just felt like it was setting something up for a later episode. So I didn't feel like I was missing something in between. It was just like, okay, all these things are happening and then we're going to find out what happens. So less of a mystery, even though it is a mystery inside of the show. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was surprising there's you know real emotional moments uh and with uh mariner in the cave and yeah. I, I like the minimalist inside of the ship what the minimalist hell <laughs> it feels very yeah. 32nd century actually <laughs> it does it made me think that and also it felt like a little like i guess just waking up in like a really mysterious minimalist spaceship like that has yeah. to be like a 2001 space odyssey callback right like it's kind of like maybe the, 
There's a cactus the in there, though. Stuff. I did notice that on the shelf. There's one one little cactus in a terrarium. Hmm. I wonder if there's a meaning. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, I just wonder if we're finding meanings in everything. <laughs> like... for, for me, for like for my opening statement on the the episode is broadly before we go into the breakdown. Um, yeah, mine wasn't the... a great statement. So. <laughs> uh, well, I I agree with you. Like that cave scene, or I, the first time I watched it, I thought they were in like a tree. I thought they were in like the base. You know how like sometimes like those big massive trees yeah. you have on the west coast, like uh, you, you can like Redwoods. go up under the roots and stuff. Yeah, I thought it was that, and then like I looked at like the daylight shot, and I was like, "Oh no, that's I don't." Yeah, it's some weird space cave, I guess. But uh, if you know, we didn't have enough of those last week. I was but... saying it was just funny that we just had a cave episode <laughs> from minute thirteen, the timestamp, like minute thirteen on this episode on Paramount Plus. From there until eighteen thirty, that is five and a half minutes of the the best writing in lower decks I've ever seen. The the Mariner Maaf fight, and then the the cave scene, and and all of that stuff that they they unpacked with. Cedo and just the questions it answered mm-hmm. and it, it, it the emotional weight of some of that stuff it just me i'm a big klingon nut so if you're having to do like your kind of like trial by fire and a battle with like this klingon and 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 he's actually kind of uh you know like giving you like tough love and 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 helping you face like hard truths and and grow and all that you know junk i it's just i eat that up so i i loved all of that and also and i love like- nick you know, not liking Klingon episodes. Some people like, you know, but a lot of it is the way Worf is. Worf isn't the average Klingon. So when you Correct. kind of take it, go into, you know, like, look at other Klingons, you're like, oh, those are kind of interesting. They're, there's more balance to them. So I think that's kind of interesting. Like that guy was just like, oh, he looks like he'd be a cool person to hang out with. You know, he actually has some dimension to him is what I'm getting at. It's like he's a character that has everything. It be- has something besides honor. At least the way he was speaking seemed like he had an experience that was beyond just throwing a bat left at somebody. I love Worf, but he's he's very um he's very fixated on uh you know the 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 things that he's going to worry about and yeah he doesn't he doesn't kind of deviate from that much, but I, I also loved Locarno as the as the villain. I think he's like a great choice. I almost think he he could be kind of like the ultimate choice for like the boss level baddie of of Lower Decks. Like he could be like the final baddie. You know, he's like he's like the ultimate like you know the Starfleet slacker, the the like the Starfleet like you know, bad kid who couldn't cut it, but uh, maybe he'll be redeemed. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. It, it could go in any bad, direction. That means so. it's not, there's no more after season five. So let's not say that. Or unless he comes back as the big, but maybe he disappears. Yeah, he could, he could go return. away and come back. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe he'll turn good. Maybe he'll redeem himself. I'm, I like, I like, a, you know, a, some Starfleet redemption. So I could, I could roll yeah. with that as well. It would be interesting to see what happens when somebody isn't redeemed. Cause we kind of ex- uh, explored that with peanut hamper who eventually did get redeemed in the end. Yeah. So, but hers was more, comedic this feels more like has actual weight to it especially because yeah. what he's doing is like kidnapping races they, they from... build him up to build like yeah. a big he, they, they really build him up to be like a serious threat so this it's it's yeah. high stakes going into episode 10 and it's interesting when you you pointed out that on the klingon bird of prey there was a symbol hit the symbol that he has on his jacket which is the starburst maneuver that they got in trouble for or tried to do um, yeah, he, he's still a he's still really into that yeah. <laughs> he's still into the culvert starburst I guess if we had, if I had noticed that, I would have figured out who it was earlier, just because not by much, but by a little bit, because it's on the wing of that uh, bird of prey. Yeah, you, they don't really show it much, like early in the episode, but like, yeah. you, like they they were, I think they were trying not to not to give much away of it. You and I were talking about it. I said, given the way that they're doing their titles and stuff, I'm gonna make a guess that the next title is called The Last Duty, since we had the first. I'd duty. love that. Yeah, and then just like maybe that's where he does like the last duty is to give your life as a Starfleet officer. Yeah. Maybe I, I think that'd be cool. It won't be that then <laughs> because we we thought of it. <laughs> well, maybe it'll be something better. Yes, hopefully it will be. I, I have faith in Mike. 
and and crew. Yeah, they they know what they're doing. They don't they don't need to they don't need to listen to our dumb ideas. <laughs> Starting off at the beginning of the episode, we're on Perseoth nine and dealing with some venomous tremble lizards with outpost scientists. I just like that the outpost scientists are just such like a recurring thing in lower decks. I just want like other Star Trek shows to start saying outpost scientists more because they've always been around. You know, all yeah. the shows have shown these people, but. I finally realized what that bird, the little creature reminds me of. It's a little bit like Josie the robot from the Jetsons because it, yes. seems, very, it seems very mechanical at the top. And it's like, oh, that's what that looks like. Yeah, I see it. Very weird. They don't look like lizards to me. Like they look like birds. Like, yeah, I don't like, um, I guess like birds I, and lizards share, you know, can share a lineage. Like they have like feathers, not scales. Right. But yeah. then they have like little arms. So I guess they're kind of like dinosaurs. They're kind of like little T-Rexes. Yeah. But I guess maybe those aren't feathers. Were... Maybe that's actually like some sort of scale or like yeah. skin. I mean, they do look alien. Yeah. There's... I'm having a hard time describing an earth animal that looks like it. So... Yeah. Think of a platypus, but all the different parts that you don't know. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a creature glued together from two or three other alien creatures. They they kind of I look a little too mechanical. I kind of thought like it was kind of confusing. They kind of look like robots or something. Yeah. It's because they're so the the head is so angular and and like yeah. the, the curves of everything are just too precise but yeah well yeah kind of like a jurassic park thing the uh the the fence goes down the mm-hmm. the creatures are monsters they've made a couple uh allusions to uh jurassic park this season moopsie oh yeah well i like that they got like a little bit of science joke in there when uh mariner had some of the the acid blood on her and she's like oh does anyone have any baking soda or anything with a ph <laughs> above seven i just loved that i like oh look at this casual use of science and starfleet yeah. I thought that was funny. I was literally grabbing baking soda when that that line came out, which is funny. That's so. The second something time like I that watched happened it. to me in in real life. I was I was listening to something and like they said like the word like as I was writing it. Or it was just, oh or yeah, it was that's something like a weird it, feeling. But it was it was like something that was like really like uncommon. Like how the hell did that? But I, I forgot what it was. But <laughs> yeah, I, I like it when stuff like that happens. I love their uniforms too. They're the old fashioned. They look very much like the TOS spacesuits. Yeah. With the Lian Webb suits. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they have the scene in here just to reiterate that Mariner had, has been kind of crazy this season. I kind of feel like this, some, this is something that hadn't been, that could have been clarified better. Like, it, I mean, we, we did get like a few examples of it. I'm going to go rewatch the whole season, but I don't, I didn't really notice this being like, she had like increased her like dangerous activity to like a new level. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I hadn't picked up on that. They could have, like, in between the Ferengi episode and this, did a, a drop about that or something. Just, like, like you seem to be getting, you know, more and more, I don't know, I don't, whatever the line would be. But it's crazy, could just, insane. You could, yeah, you could just put, like, one line in there, and that would probably help bridge the gap. Because they, they bring it up with Quimp on Ferenginar. Uh, right. When he's, he's kind of, you know, saying, like, you know, why don't you get your shit together and yeah. mature? But... Other than that, I really hadn't felt it had been... I, so I kind of feel like right now I'm being told instead of shown. And we all prefer, you know, when you show and don't tell. Um, maybe it was there. I just wasn't picking up on it, but I don't know. I watch all of these like five times every week. I watch the episode a lot. So I, I think I'm paying attention. But what do you think of the uh, the conference room scene where they're, they're discussing the missions? Uh, kind of like an intervention. Actually, somebody said that in the chat too, I think. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 to save Mariner. Yeah, there. <laughs> Mariner's intervention is being planned right here. So that's yeah. that's a good way of, um, yeah, that, that, that's a good, uh, I guess, analog for it. It's almost like a pre-rescue mission. <laughs> I guess it's sort of like just trying to, to keep her safe. But it was interesting. I like, you know, all the different ships and, and the the different people that they're specifically looking for. 
which was cool because we found out that William Riker or not William Riker, Thomas Riker Thomas. is is still alive. So yeah, he survived that's... the Cardassian internment camp or wherever he was. So I haven't checked it yet, but I am certain that if I go to memoryalpha.com now and look up the Thomas Riker page, it'll say status instead of saying unknown. It'll say, I don't, it might still say unknown. I don't know, but I think it should say he's alive. Yeah. If he survived the Dominion War, there's no reason to assume something killed him. But yeah, no, I, I really, and, and just the fact that we, you know, remember, uh, we got uh, Beverly Crusher, Seven of Nine, you know, the nice name drops and stuff. It's, it's feeling very connected to Picard, season three, which is kind of nice. Yeah, totally. I guess season two, too, uh, technically. I mean, it'd be cool if we actually had, like, Rafi listed on there or something like that. A character that we don't... Well, she was still active. That's true. But, but, oh, was she but yeah, someone... Time? Yeah, she was. It was... Yeah, because yeah, this is before the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the, the Mars stuff yeah. went bad. However, it is a little fan servicey that, like, they're all, like, people that we know from yeah. Berman-era shows. It's like, shouldn't there be, like, some dudes we've never heard of that, that I Starfleet I the same thing when they about? showed that list of all of the, the, the captains, and they had, like, Pike was listed on Discovery when they were, like, all the, the best captains or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was Pike, like... April, Archer, and Georgiou. Yeah. And it yeah. was, like, literally, really? like, only the ones that have been established before yeah. this point. It should have been shown, like, you could still keep scrolling it, like there was more of them or something like that. But yeah, it, it, that is the thing that Star Trek does. We, we've always made fun of that. And at, at times, they'll do something where, the, you know, the rule of threes, where it's like there's a, an, uh, you know, an Earth this, an Earth that, and then an alien thing. Like they'll say, like, you know, or or the Valerian swamp bat, you know, or something. It's, it's like they'll throw it yeah. something in. Do you um, want to be a, a great musician like Beethoven, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, and <laughs> the lizard man of Izargian three? Or, you yeah. know, something like that. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's not unexpected. It's 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 kind of funny in a way. Uh, but we get Girls Trip plus Boimler. So we're, we're splitting the party here, which is normally it's kind of like a, a dramatic move. That's kind of like your your second act thing, you know, and like like big, big story arcs like, you know, Empire Strikes Back. You, you, you split them up in the other star franchise. So we will have our. His status our, is now active on Memory Alpha. OK, good. So I give those Memory Alpha editors a hard time. So, um. <laughs> Kudos to them on uh, being quick on on this stuff. But yeah, as far as like the two different missions, we have, you know, the new Ax Axton stuff that the Cerritos mm -hmm. goes on. And then we have the thing that the the buoy leads to. So the uh, the new Axton stuff's not not a ton to chew on. So I think we should knock that out first. I should have just had the words rearranged from Tatooine into some other word. <laughs> it felt very much like Is that, that what new Axton is? Uh, what do you call that when you rearrange letters? Not an a, is that an anagram? Anagram? No, I don't think it, there's... No, there's no not enough keys okay. and e yeah. Okay, no. but oh yeah, there's kind no of X in there. Yeah, huh? <laughs> Tatooine X. I was kind um, of in denial about this planet because everyone online is like, "Oh, it's so Star Wars." I'm like, "It's not yeah, Star Warsy." Quit, quit comparing everything in Star Trek to Star. Yeah. We we have our own crime planets. We go to, we go to we go to some some scummy you know hives of scum and villainy. It looks like Blade Runner, not not Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a it is a Star Warsy planet. Yeah. I I just have to accept it. I've <laughs> before the show, I tweeted out a picture of the that little moon shuttle that they arrive in. Mm -hmm. It looks like a prototype, an earlier design of Carter Winston's ship from The Survivor, the one we first saw Vendorians. But it also looks like the side view of a land speeder, like a lot. <laughs> yeah, that that Luke drove around, which can't be like a coincidence. It's the same colors and everything too. So, and the uh, the people that they call when they're like, "Can we have permission to land on yeah. your planet?" and they kind of very 
Imperial. They have, they have uh, English accents and very like yes, the the Star Wars Imperial like caps and stuff. And there's two suns that we can see in the sky. So, but I did laugh at the the. Uh, it's kind of like I, I've been this guy. I've been Freeman on the Cerritos. Or like I'm trying to get in. Like okay, this is where like all the cool people are, and I I, I I'm pretty sure I can talk talk way my in. way in there. And yeah, just like hold on. I why are you wasting my time even trying to talk to me? I oh oh wait wait let me go run over here and like take care of these people. Like oh how are you doing? Come on right this way. So it's yeah. like I've I've had that feeling, and it is it is pretty funny to. Yep. To see Freeman go through it. But it's all acting from her when she's just like, oh, I can't believe this guy. Like, that's all a performance. So good I, acting from I'm her. I'm super happy that this season we've seen her be a really competent captain and not just, I hate, you know, uh, bonus time. Not bonus time. Was it? Uh, was the, the buffer time? Buffer time. Yeah. It's just like, uh, which doesn't, you know, make any sense or whatever. But uh, no. So she, I think she's really kind of really stepped up. And I think it feels like, internally in the story that Starfleet has sort of noticed that too. I think it comes from the end of season two when yeah. she was offered the, uh, a bigger ship and she turned it down. She's like, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Cali class girl. I'm, I'm staying here on the Cerritos. Yep. So I think, I think when she shifted her ambitions from trying to get a more prestigious ship to just trying to be the, you know, good captain of a good crew. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, that's growth. Lost on her some part. of the uh, the stress of having to deal with that, and her natural talents shown through a little bit more. Yeah, she's not worried about trying to impress the brass all the time anymore. Yeah. So they should uh, they should really like uh, and, and there's still another episode in the season, so maybe they will. But I would kind of like them to kind of uh, you know shine a, a light on that a little bit and kind of uh, just have a scene of her talking about that to someone. I think would be yeah. really neat. Uh, what do you think of a uh, Zorkies and Muds and Muds. the? <laughs> I like the uh, the muds is funny because you know they mention um, well there's actually a, a um, on the right hand side uh, as they come in the triaxian the uh, tri tripedal um, yeah people They're have like a discount a... yeah they are. we see an adosian which is kind of cool and some other thing which I, some new I, I think we've seen that creature before yeah but it doesn't have a name there's several no. aliens in lower decks that have not been named like they're the bouncer at this at the at yeah. the bar who won't let them in or I'm sorry because a bouncer and a doorman are like different yes. Uh, a doorman at the at the bar but we've seen that dude we've seen his race yeah. before but they don't have a name I, yeah if we, we i like do, when I, he I me- mentions that jippers are on sa- are on uh sale or there's a discount on them which is what mike mcmahon actually wrote the short uh trek of mud where he, he had all the different robots and he, they mentioned uh jippers as a some sort of drink yeah so mike mcmahon's the inventor of of sipping jippers on a beach somewhere yeah Sorry, that might have been a Gornig, but uh. <laughs> that's okay. I like to repeat myself a lot. Also, that's okay. I like to repeat myself a lot. <laughs> this was funny, it's silly, but funny. Our uh, our yeah. information broker, which is yeah. not a puppet, but uh, I mean, I you know you assume when you see how this thing is like lit, sitting on like a, a table with a red tablecloth, yeah. like like you're clearly like presenting an object right here. Like, look at this thing. Not person, but uh, it was a living being that uh, had a weird uh, mechanical movement that the animation on was hilarious. And for whatever reason, when when he got pissed off and was like, I wasn't going to sell the Locarno information, but yeah. now I'm going to sell it to someone else. And when he sticks his arm out with the isolinear chip, just like the weird little like stiff mechanical movement uh-huh. of the arm, just like that. That was so funny that that made the that. Stuck the landing of the gag for me. What do you now think? we know what Baylock uh, patterned his puppet after. 
this yeah. this creature, this race. That was an incredibly accurate puppet. Like, yes. good job. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was that was pretty funny. He's got bones and internal organs and all kinds. Yeah, just the way that she's like slamming them on the table. Yeah. It's just like it's just like Jesus Christ, stop! She thought, like if she picked it up, she'd feel feel like, oh, this is an actual bean. Oh, uh, and maybe she knew that. Maybe she was trying to get him pissed off so he would sell it to Billups. That could be. And she's like, she's like, I'm gonna go in here. I'm gonna insult this guy. Treat him like he's a. It's weird to say out loud. Like I'm gonna treat someone like they're a puppet. But uh, well, maybe she that has was had her plan. Um, kind of uh, experience with that when when uh, we had Kayshawn turned into a puppet. Yep. <laughs> she's she's had an officer under her command get transformed into a puppet, and then she had to order a cat doctor to reverse that. <laughs> yes. How that happened, we don't know. Yeah, apparently it's not that hard, but um, yeah, that's crazy. Doctor Tiana is probably like a super good doctor, but like she doesn't want to like uh, I don't know, have to like do a lot more work. So maybe she just keeps she just keeps some of the oh, like I found a, the puppet reversal cure, but I'm just gonna keep it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to write a paper about. It. Actually, that was a joke at one point. It's like like oh, I think it was really early on in the se- series where it's like oh, then I have to write a paper about it, and you know they're like they're just la- that might oh yeah the first episode yeah the, I, I remember that coming up I believe yeah. So yes, that does sound exactly like her. I have a doctor who's very similar in some ways. He, the same attitude and everything. Very, very blunt. I liked that. Um, I, I, I kind of liked that. Like Freeman didn't tell Shax and Rutherford what was going on because I was just saying she was a really good actor. But they might have, maybe they weren't. Maybe they would have. Shax probably has like some like security training. He might have like some undercover skills, but mm. I don't know. But like like Billups and the uh, the bounty hunter that armor. Like I want to I want to yeah. cosplay as that, but I don't I don't have like the the costuming skills to make anything anywhere near that elaborate. So you could probably find stuff to put together. I mean, the other thing is just making the helmet. I was like. There's one specific Star Trek character, and I don't think I don't think I've said it publicly who it is. I, I probably have at some point, but I don't know. I kind of want to be low key on it until I pull it off. But there's one specific Star Trek character that like, I really want to dress up as, but I want to do like a real. I want to have like a screen accurate costume that's like pretty pretty elaborate and pretty good. And hmm. Okay. I'm gonna I'm saving up for that someday, but I think y'all will like it. But if I pull that off, then maybe someday after that, if I get better. <laughs> I don't know if 3D printers become like a lot more like easier to use and could do like everything I need. Cool. Maybe, maybe I'll have a, a bounty hunter Billups cosplay someday. It'd be interesting if you could do something where you scan yourself in. So it has the baseline and then whenever, whatever you design like clothes or whatever to it, like it will automatically adjust it. So it will fit Like you could design yeah. it and then it like scales it correctly. That's what you could probably do in Star Trek. You just tell that's what AI should be used for, not for writing yeah. other horrible. We're trying to like take people's jobs. Yeah. AI just like make cool shit for us. <laughs> Help that's us with our cool do. shit. Yeah, exactly. But Rutherford, I think probably also it's good that we didn't tell or they didn't tell him because he 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 would do something. I'm sure, <laughs> not on purpose, but yeah, he he gets excited. He might uh he might yeah. uh spill the beans or something. What do you think of them in- including Rutherford on like this like senior officer mission though instead of like going with the uh the other people like i kind of thought that was kind of neat well there's something about like the ship like he's he's really good with like with ai technology what we just talked about but oh, yeah. he seems to be kind of like their ship guy and i know that seems weird given that they're all in engineering probably a ship person but he he seems to have like outside the boundary of normal starfleet purview of like of ships if that makes any sense, you know, things that he had made and they might have that information. I'm just like, I think given that they're looking for this weird, you know, alien ship, having him along would probably be advantageous. And I also think if, you know, you're looking for Locarno, like he's Rutherford, young Rutherford is kind of similar to Locarno, how they're both kind of like, you know, real cocky pilots and stuff. Yeah. 
I can see that. But it, just, it seems like, oh, th- yeah, they are lieutenants, not ensigns. They're like, they're going on like the same missions that the captain is on and stuff like that. So it kind of, yeah, yeah it makes them feel like a little bit more like, um, they're, they're more senior in the, mm-hmm. in the ship than previously. But, you know, I don't know. I don't have anything. I laugh when the, the dude added 30 minutes to their weight. Yeah. I thought when, when, you know, on rewatch, when Freeman's like really pissed off when she's told like, go park on the moon. She's just like, <sighs> set a course for the moon. I was like, oh yeah. It's like that Freeman is, is just playing the character when, yeah. that. and I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. And the fact that like, she, she said early on else. too, about like, it's like going back and I'm like, oh, okay, I could kind of see that as sort of a tell. It was just something about like her class that she took or something where she's like, I, t- I know how to deal with this, you know, like, so she really did. It's just not the way that we were thinking she was. Well, uh, anything else on new Axton before we uh, move on over to Sherbel five? No, it's just kind of your standard Tatooine. <laughs> uh, Sherbel 5, we have the the buoy mission, which Mariner was like, oh, cool, this can be dangerous. And then she gets there and she's like, oh, this is actually like really boring and lame. But Tindy notices the communications have been tampered with and then their, their shuttle's yep. destroyed by a bird of prey and they have to emergency beam down to Sherbel 5. They emergency beam very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I will say that in rewatch, uh, when you see like their reactions on the planet's surface, they are all kind of like surprised, and, like touching themselves, like feeling like yeah. their chest and arms, like, oh my God, we actually made it out in time. Yeah. Like they all thought they were about to blow up. So uh, it, it, it kind of played fair with that. I, I thought that, that was a really cool shot when the bird of prey decloaked in front of the shuttle and did like their Chris Westlake's Klingon theme he composed for Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. I, and, and you get like that cool Star Trek 3 sound effect of the Bird of Prey decloaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I like this ship being respected. This ship from 1984 that's become like so iconic in the franchise and yet it's still shown off to be pretty badass here. And that is where you also can see the Starburst maneuver on that, uh, the wing. On I don't the, know why I did not wing. see that before. Uh, it's, just been it's probably going to be more visible in episode 10, and they just, they didn't yeah. want to like show it too much, show it off too much here. But I mean, I'm just surprised I didn't catch it before later, I guess, is what I'm getting at. It's like, I would have, I would have noticed it. Or as we said, it, it's not necessarily the uh, Starburst maneuver. It is actually a top-down view of the Millennium Tower from, <laughs> or Millennium, Millennium Gate from Voyager. So what was it? We had our, our theory that it's actually when Locarno is one of Janeway's relatives. Oh yeah. Then we have like the other theory. I'm going to save that right. for the end. You know oh, okay. theory I'm talking about. Yes. When they're stranded on Sherbel five with all these other, uh, Star Trek species though, it's kind of cool. Like you're like, Oh, there's a Romulan and a Ferengi and all these different people running around matrix zero. And then there was that one where Worf, yeah. like they had the Romulan and Klingon people living together. Oh, yeah. Birth, birthright. I think birthright, birthright yeah. one and two. It's got that, those sort of vibes to it, but this is what I wanted in Star Trek beyond. When they're all stranded on on that planet, when yeah. when Scotty meets Jayla, and then there's like the, those kind of thuggish aliens that like approach them, and there's like one like little guy who's kind of talking shit, and then he's got like two big enforcer guys with him. I was like, man, wouldn't it have been cool if they were using like legacy Star Trek races? Like the like the little guy could have been a Ferengi, and then like one of the big guys could have been a Nausicaan, and then the other big guy could have been a Klingon or a Gorn yeah. or you know anything. Just probably not like, a Klingon. But we'd all like we'd all eat it up. Like all the fans yeah. would be like, "Oh, cool!" Like you know, this that is- was the fifty new races for fifty years of Star Trek, or something yes. that year, or something like that. Director Frank Lynn said to to celebrate fifty years of the franchise, he would he would introduce fifty new alien designs into Beyond. Which okay, cool, Frank. I'm glad you you know you want to celebrate our fiftieth, but. What if well, you at least done, like, he actually 50... thought yeah celebrated the fiftieth? Like it seems like <laughs> yeah. more than than the Paramount did outside of the movie. I just I would have been like, I'm going to celebrate by sticking and I'm going to sneak in 50 
legacy races that you already know from Star Trek. Go go see Star Trek Beyond and see if you can find all 50. If you if you can't find them all, go buy another ticket and see it again. So, so you could have promoted your movie that way, Franklin. Yeah. But, but that was the that was the 2010s and it's like we don't have much Star Trek. We just get like a Kelvin movie every 3 or 4 years and that's Wasn't it. His name Justin Lin, the director. Oh yeah, his dad was Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Justin. <laughs> It's like I I interviewed him I think for like four seconds I'm like I know I like thought I had his name right yeah also did a, I don't know if I've seen any of his other movies I know he directed some Fast and Furious stuff and I don't know what else he's done other than Star Trek Beyond but yeah when they led with that in the press conference I'm like oh no <laughs> I was like oh J J Abrams left to go make Star Wars and he's gonna let Star Trek turn into Fast and Furious and yeah yeah I was I was also concerned but you know Beyond turned out to be good and yeah. I know a lot of people who like they consider that like the their favorite of the three Kelvin movies. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, th- I think this would have been cool there, just like all these different races interacting, and uh, again, like with Chris Westlake's Klingon theme, when you see Maa get trapped by the Ferengi and the Romulan, we don't know that it's Maa, but th- they're playing fair. They they kind it's kind of low key, but you hear that Klingon theme a little bit right there at the beginning. So they're kind of telegraphing like, oh, this might be a guy that we know. But I liked the uh, the Romulan treachery. I liked Mariner kind whatever she says, like, oh, not so tough when you haven't tricked somebody. <laughs> uh, the the scrappy Mariner was a little intense, like her obsession with uh, like seeking out danger and stuff. The picture that you have up on screen for the audio listener, it's the uh, Cardassian looking like super, super aggro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes me think of like when uh, when Garrick was a. Uh, was like on drugs to make him oh, yeah. insane and stabbing people and stuff. And it turns into a, a horror movie. That's that's something or that a Batman, uh, the animated series villain. Oh yeah. That could have been a, a someone that on that show. Yeah. But the, the Cardassian was funny because I like when to Lynn nerve pinches them and takes them to, and I, I like her being just the nerve pincher, like Spock. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never wanted to see Spock like physically fight people. I love like in strange new worlds. They don't have like Spock doesn't go around like swinging right. punches. He just neck pinches. That's all he does. You know, very elegant. But when, as soon as to Lynn neck pinches, the Cardassian, uh, you can see in the background, like Mariner gets like mad. She kind of gives like the side eye to, to, to Lynn. Like, right oh, before I want to beat like, her up. Yeah, yeah. I could have handled that Cardassian, you know? Yeah, I like how she just sort of walks into the room and does it. Like, there's very, like, very uh, subtle and. I would think no by doubt now that you people would be like, oh, no, it's a Vulcan. I should not, you know, get out yeah, of the I, way. I, I got to stay outside of arm's reach or they will yeah. make me take a nap. <laughs> Why don't they just have, like, you know, armor or something? <laughs> oh, yeah, just put some stuff on your yeah. neck, like a, like a neck brace, maybe. Yeah. If you try to fight a Vulcan wearing a neck brace, they won't be able to pinch you. They probably have other nerve pinches in different places that we don't know about. <laughs> I can pinch your ankle. But it was good to see Talyn back after going yes. three whole consecutive episodes of no Talyn. I never want to do that on Lower Decks again, ever. Please. <laughs> it's too much. I did like when they was like, you know, we can fight anything. Bring it. It's like, well, before anything is brought, should we? <laughs> the way she said that was really funny. We had to go, what? They introduced Talyn in uh, episode, I think, 16 of the show. And yeah. Yeah. Wage Douche was in season two. So, it's, yeah. So we had, we went 15 episodes without Talyn. And then we had to go, what, like another 14 or so before like we see her at like the end of season three. And and now we just went three episodes. I never want to have to do three again. So if if uh, the uh, Lower Decks team can, uh, can make that happen, I'd really appreciate it. But to be fair, like when she's not there, it's it is actually working. It's it's not like yeah. oh, it, there's, it doesn't feel like somebody's missing. It's like maybe if she was there, that extra puzzle piece wouldn't work. Have they ever done an episode that didn't have Rutherford or Tindy in it? 
Well, the peanut hamper? One? No, that, that that had Tendi in it, didn't it, at the end? Yeah, I'm um, going to look into that. I'll yeah, let y'all know. know next week. I'm going to check, okay. unless I forget. If I do, y'all can yell at me. But I'm going to try real hard to remember. I think I can do it. Oh, Linda Marks has a hot take here. What do we got? Uh, Linda Marks says, hmm. I think Mariner and Talyn would make a good couple and balance each other out. We kind of saw their, you know, rapport and dynamic back and forth when... That actually is what happened when Talyn, you kind didn't fully mind meld, but just kind of yeah. melded in like a little bit of balance. That was uh, on the Empathic Fallacies episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was really good. So, yeah, I, I would like them. to see more scenes of the two of them. I like I love that they get along. I kind of thought they would butt heads. They would be because, you know, Mariner's so like crazy and Talyn as a Vulcan is very, you know, mild and and, mm-hmm. and subdued. But they I love that. They kind they because they, they're they both kind of are like oh no I'm gonna be like you know the real pushy one who's like I'm gonna be the one who's like gonna go out there and 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 do the things I need to do and and you know I'll bend the rules when I need to and I guess I guess like they they see that connective tissue between the two of them but I love they, that they get along it's not the obvious thing of like oh they butt heads like even here when like Talyn's the one who like breaks the news like Mariner doesn't get like super pissy like it hurt I mean, she doesn't like shoot the messenger she's just kind of yeah. just mad at the situation but she doesn't really blame the she doesn't blame her friends so which yeah, is something she that, probably would have done in seasons one or two yes or maybe even Agreed. three she is she is uh learning she's regressing and then learning the re- you know a little <laughs> bit of back and forth but that's you know realistic so I guess let's talk about like her her sneaking off they decide that their best hope to get off of Sherbal 5 is to find the monitoring station on the planet's surface that is linked to the the buoy up in orbit. And if they find it, they can press some buttons in there and make a distress signal to get help. Yep. Reverse the polarity and bing bang. Yeah, tech the tech. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta signal. <laughs> what do you think on the uh the fight that she gets into on on the way there when she encounters Ma'a? I guess that was the reveal. We didn't even know it was him until then. Yeah. I, I like the just the 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 uh, rain of glass at the the kind of the end of this fight, mm. um, which I thought was interesting. And, that, that's uh, something I hadn't seen before. Like I don't yeah. maybe something in sci-fi has used that, but I've I've never seen a fight in a it glass feels storm. Like, yeah, and I feel like glass or that sort of thing is is more like in uh, gas planets. I feel like somewhere like in our solar system, there's something that could be similar to that. And I cannot place it. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, maybe like like Neptune or something. It yeah. rains glass. It rains like I think it rains Mercury somewhere. I don't, other that, planets yeah. like weird shit rains. Right. Basically. Like, so, yeah. So th- like, okay, things if, other than water can rain <laughs> the way they're pointed. It's like, OK, I could kind of see that being like how that would form. It's like a big sheet of glass and like one of the layers of the atmosphere and then it shatters. Oh, and, that's interesting. That's not what I was thinking. Like, about. Like, oh, OK. Work. Katie, the weather, uh, what is her title? And oh, like, me- meteorologist. Um, yeah, the meteorologist. But she had, like, I thought she had like a kind of a catchy name. But um, anyway, uh, she mentioned that it was the first time that she had seen in a while that the the storms were actually counterclockwise. They're correctly moving for a storm. Like, oh, that's finally, neat. weather has been you know <laughs> properly uh, presented in a television show, which is weird because like it's a fifty fifty chance of getting that right. You think it would happen more often. <laughs> yeah, you think it would happen at least 50% of the time. It's like they're all yeah. doing it wrong on purpose. Or maybe it's just that people automatically like things that go clockwise. So they just do it Probably. I yeah. I think you're probably that, that sounds like a yeah, a human psychology yeah. thing. But this fight was good. It just you can tell that they it was leading up to something. They brought back the uh, the Kirk punches. Yeah. From uh the crystal plane. I mean, that was temporal edicts actually. And then we had buffer time and Kirk punches the same episode. 
but yeah, I thought the fight was like it was it was a very uh, visually impressive. The uh, the mm-hmm. the backgrounds were cool. Like the blocking of the fight was cool. And then yeah, I would say like this is part this is part of like that five and a half minutes of what I consider like the best writing I've I've seen in in lower decks. And and from from there to shelter in the cave and I, you know that might actually be part of a tree or something like that, given where it's at. I mean, maybe it's a cave. I don't know. It's it's a weird. It could even be like the inside of some sort of old like giant wasp nest or something (laughs) yeah it's like strange shelter in a alien forest um whatever whatever we're gonna call it but yeah there's some heavy stuff some heavy stuff gets dropped in there yeah and i do have something to say like if you want to talk about that and then i'll I'll, i have one thing that's sort of like okay i don't necessarily buy that part of it I guess like like when Mariner tells like her story about like I guess her explanation to Ma'a when when he's asking you know you you're Starfleet but you're also a warrior and there's like this this you know I don't know you I just I just been fighting with you for like five minutes but even then like I can tell like there's there's a conflict there's an inner fight within you. I feel like that Klingons will that for the Klingons fighting somebody probably gives them a lot of insight. That's how they mm-hmm. you know figure a person out. So for I love fighting that. a Klingon fighting you know a human is probably going to be much more uh, informational for them than if an- another person was fighting you. Yeah, you like you like go spar with a Klingon, and then he's like, "Well, you fought well, and I can tell like you really miss your mom, and I'm I'm so right. sorry." <laughs> <laughs> well, so like they just like get like this insight into your personality ooh, or something. He could replace Doctor Miglimo. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, we've we've I been want saying a Klingon... he ain't a good therapist. So yeah, I want a Klingon therapist. That would be amazing. That would be such a, a lower Dexian. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. But that's that would be cool. What if Alexander what if like Alexander grew up and became a therapist? <laughs> I don't know. He he seems like he might continue to need therapy throughout his life. <laughs> I know, but I feel like a lot of people like go that's, into yeah. a lot of people like try I I don't know. I shouldn't that's I shouldn't make like that kind of no, generalization. No, but I know what you're getting you're getting at. Yeah. I think that used to be a stereotype that people wanted to work in mental health fields because they wanted to try to fix themselves or understand themselves or something like that. But like that's that's probably a a bad generalization to make, but as Joel said, Doctor Ma'an. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is the best. Uh, this is the best therapy we've seen on Star Trek since I don't know Guinan, uh, since uh, uh, Vic Fontaine <laughs> on DS9. I would say Crisis Point had some like accidental good therapy. Yeah, the yeah, way we'll it happened. That. that was that was not like on purpose though. But we get the story from her that she was a uh, just I guess like a common you know uh, uh, ambitious bright eyed Starfleet cadet wanting to grow up and be captain and she looked up to her friend uh, who we know from TNG Cedo Jaxa the actual next generation episode titled Lower Decks that inspired this animated comedy so uh, was she uh, she must have been like super young when she joined Starfleet or something but I'm just wondering like how old she is now I'm trying to I didn't go to the uh, timeline I didn't sit down and do it but she's what in her 30s okay well, I think we can do this. We can do some real time math for those of y'all watching live. <laughs> oh, no, this is super no, no, no. exciting. So please, everyone, like if if you're watching live, like share the, the link, spread it around. Be like, oh, my goodness, this dude is doing some real time math with like Star Trek years and stuff. Uh, people are going to want to see this. But we know that Cito Jaxa was at the like she had to like repeat a year. Right. I think she was a senior in season five in the first duty. And then she would have. She would have had her. She had to redo her senior year in season six. Then season seven, she's an ensign. She's on the Enterprise, and Picard sends her on her mission. So, if say in season six, Cedo's senior year at the academy, that would be that would be uh twenty 
370? No, 69. Yeah, 2369. If that's her senior year, that could have been Mariner's freshman year. We're, we're trying to figure out, like, the, the youngest Mariner could be for all this to still work, I guess. Right. Like, how old she at least has to be what. So, let's say, and the youngest you can take the, the youngest you can enter Starfleet is, Academy is 16. Right. So, if Mariner was 16 in 2369, that would mean she was born in 53. Okay. Which would make her three years younger than Wesley Crusher. I think she'd be 28 here in this scene. She's at least, tw- she's 28 or older, which I, is actually like where I kind of picture Mariners, 28 yeah. or older. I kind of like early, early 30s is what my, how, how she presents herself. Although yeah. that might I think be the she, actress as well. <laughs> I think she's between 28 and 35. Okay. It's interesting too, is that uh, this also means that she knows Wesley Crusher, which means we could have yeah. a surprise Wesley Crusher, uh, well, not surprise at this point if we're guessing, uh, <laughs> little uh, cameo or something in the next episode. Or, you know, if this is a two-parter, like, or a three-parter, then it could go into next season and maybe he shows up there. Well, Will Wheaton has said that he he really wants to be on Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I think whenever, like, Mike McMahon is on the ready room, like, Will Wheaton is like, I really want to be on Lower Decks. And, and so, like, I think it's only a matter of time. <laughs> he He's going to you know, show, get, show up He's someday. a traveler, like, it, it, he could be their deus ex machina that they could pull out at some point if they needed one. Him and Badgie. Yeah. Both, both of those. Now. It's also convenient for the Lower Decks writers to have because it's like, man, we could have like a traveler show up literally. Mm-hmm. And, like that's their thing. They travel like they'll, they right. can go to any space and time. So it doesn't matter what story we're telling. It'll be easy to work Wesley in if we ever yeah. want to. When so, we were uh, when I was on, uh, on the Earl Grey podcast on Trek FM, when I guest starred, uh, we created a 1990s animated show. Like if the, instead of going to movies, they went to like an X-Men kind of show. <laughs> and we had Wesley was a floating ball of light. That was just in the episode. You never, never saw his face. He was just sort of like Clue from uh, or Cursor or whatever from Tron. Just this yeah. flashing light. And we had an Ensign Flipper who was just the one of the dolphins in a mech suit that could get around. So it's like, okay, we had cetacean ops, basically. It was kind of fun. Nice. Star Trek stream. <laughs> it was very silly. Uh, but what do you think of, I guess, like when Ma'a like kind of like steps up to Mariner and, and kind of tells her, I guess his, his take on it is honor your friend by, you know, continue, continuing to serve. It's like, she didn't, she made her what? choice. Like Starfleet didn't kill her. I guess like she, she chose to do her duty and she wouldn't want you to give up. And, this is where the kind of the weird issue that I have is just like it, she, when she says, if it was if being an ensign was good enough for Sito, it was good enough for me. Sito wasn't trying to just be an ensign. I mean, she clearly wanted to keep going up the ranks, and that had to have been expressed to her at some point. Right. You know, it's just like I would be like, I want to become the best captain I can be to, you know, so I can prevent something like that happening. I mean, you could see that or something, you know, just just the idea of like, I'm going to stay at an ensign, and that's what I was like, that I don't know. There's just a little too much weight put on this it feels like i i don't think it was like she didn't want to like outrank cedo like she didn't she felt she feels like oh i shouldn't Maybe. like yeah but i, I actually like i really love that idea of like because i've always had this this problem like the conflict of like okay if mariner doesn't like starfleet then why is she in starfleet she doesn't like you know following these rules and all this stuff and then we they answer that in season three she tries to leave starfleet and she misses it she wants to be yeah. back there the thing is she just doesn't want to be in command she doesn't want to give people orders and i i love the the wording 
that that Mike McMahon wrote in the dialogue here when she says like I don't want to be a general I want to do cool science right. shit and I don't want to I don't want to like order my friends to their death like I I saw that happen to a friend and I can I can never be a captain I never I never want to get a promotion I never want to be put in a situation where I yeah. do to someone well, what the, Picard yeah. did to Sito. Yeah, it's just the way she phrased that one thing. It's like if they, if they had left that part out, it kind of would have made more sense. It feels like there's a couple ideas fighting each other, but yeah. I guess I see a lot of people kind of express that when like when people like get older than their parents ever were yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, somebody in chat says maybe her rationale isn't meant to be rational. So that that's true. It doesn't have to make sense. It all it all rang true to me. Like I felt like that's so, like yeah, I, I could picture someone feeling this way. Yeah, it was just like it felt like there were two like different pieces of things conflicting with each other. But that's also human. So and uh, humans, uh, humanity proved their uh, to to oh, yeah. Is that how you say that word? Yeah, but... I think so. I like at the end when it's like when he they're walking off and just like you said I proved my to Like I said you're your race. Yeah, I, I, I said it's like humanity did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was like, not not you. <laughs> That remind me of a lot of the the, the last episode, the, the last scene of the first episode when he, she's like, "I'm going to be your jatish to to Boimler," you know, he's talking that back and forth. He's like, "I don't want that." No, no, you know, like it just felt like that kind of interaction. Like she had that same same yeah, rapport she's, with him she, when she forces her friendship on us. Like we're yeah, going to be buddies, exactly. whether you like it or not. Right. She's like a aggressive tendy. <laughs> it was like the. When Ransom gave her the the black pip to make her a, a lieutenant junior grade, like she was like, no, I don't want this. And like here, like when Ma does it, it's like she's like accepted it. So it's like like now she's she's a lieutenant. Like it's like a yeah. know, it's like an event. This it, I mean, this whole cave thing works really well. Like I said, that's just that one thing for me was what was stood out a little bit. But uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. To be honest, like when I was making notes and stuff on this last night, I kept thinking, I watched the scene a couple of times. I kept thinking about like how much I enjoyed it and just like the direction is so good. Just like the pace. There's like some subtle like camera pans and stuff. Yeah. And And even the the, like um, just the way they look at each other, it's like, okay, it's, yeah, it's a white circle, (laughs) circle with a dot in the middle, essentially. But they, it, it, the, the eyes seem to have really well expressed emotion for what they're saying. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if they spent more time animating this part than. Oh, I, I know that they had to have had. Um, I, I like, I'm, I'm convinced that they had. And I, I was thinking last night. I was like, man, like I almost, I want to do like a whole podcast episode on like just the scene. I don't know if that ever happen. That might be insane, but I think well, it's hey, possible. We're going to need yeah. more content after. <laughs> after I know, uh, right? I'm already trying to cook here. up some. Yeah, we, yeah. we ain't getting a lot of Star Trek next year, y'all. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got so a couple. We're gonna, be, we're gonna be scraping the barrel. We need but, to sit uh, down we're, and actually we're have fun plan stuff. some content. Yeah, yeah. So just stuff. Yeah. If you guys, if there's anything related to animation that you'd like to see us cover or you know bring up or whatever, uh, yeah, just tweet me at Geek Filter or Text Trek, and let's. Uh, yeah, maybe we can have a a listener. In, in, I say listener induced. That doesn't sound real. <laughs> a listener suggested. What, what was topic. uh? What was what was Pillar's uh, script submission? Yeah, it'll be a submission. It will have a topic oh, yeah. submission. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a Star Trek tradition. Like that's how Michael Pillar ran a TNG and DS Nine. And I submitted a script way, way, way back then, and I sent it to. Oh shoot, who did I send it to now? I can't remember who it was, but somebody I actually know now. And so mm-hmm. I found the letter because I had a copy of the letter that I sent, and he's like, "What did I say? What was my response?" Like you never responded to me. Oh, I guess I'm going to get a bad Yelp review. <laughs> I uh, when I was a kid, like I wanted to like write a uh, I wanted to try to pitch a story to Star Trek and I'd hear about people, you know, who do it. 
And uh, like when I was a, when I was a teenager, they stopped doing the submission thing, and I was like, well, I guess I'm never going to. So oh, Eric oh, Stillwell, well. that's who it was. He's the one who wrote uh, the um, yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, well, great episode. You come up with yes. uh, make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. We can't if they keep making shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll run out of letters in the alphabet someday. Yeah, I wanted to, in the in the twenty in the thirty second century, like the last scene of Discovery, as we see the Enterprise NCC one seven zero one A three or A A Z or something or like that. A A. That makes it sound like it's like the Alcoholics Anonymous yeah, starship. No, just, so just two combination, like a, a double digit or double uh, letter at the end of the of that. Just like yeah, when they when they encounter the star trek aliens in fighting you know it kind of looks like you took like worlds of the worlds of star trek or worlds of the federation whatever the the book oh, yeah. from the 80s yeah. like it was, you worlds just, of the federation like, yeah let's like put all these people in like a big battle royale is kind of yeah. the, the idea of this planet but i like that ma'a's approach was just like oh i'm gonna go fight oh, let's just take down the orions the rest of them are scared of me they'll probably see like he's like already coming up with like battle plans and then mariner's mm-hmm. response is like no we're gonna do something much harder than that <laughs> And, and like her plan was like, oh, we're actually going to like unite them. And I just loved like yeah. that frame, like Mariner was like fighting them would, would actually be taking the easy way out. Like we got we need to do the, the actual harder thing. And so it's just like, oh, look, that little speech that you gave me is already paying off. I was just like the time off of like time off. What kind of Starfleet trick is this? They've done a good job like building up like Tindy's, uh, I guess, Orion background enough that like we don't we don't question this at all at this point. When when she's like, Captain Casmia, stand down. It's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly how this would play out. So, yeah, it was kind of the kind of like the whole like, you know, the unification of all of them uniting together and like the Ferengi being like, well, I know a good deal when I hear it. So I like, yeah. you know, it was a Ferengi explanation for for getting involved. And mm-hmm. but unfortunately, Mariner is abducted, I guess. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else before we talk about like the. No, I just I, I enjoyed seeing them all together. I like that they started working together. Like as the Romulan said, it's like I'm not joining anything, but I'll cease ag- <laughs> uh, aggressions for now. Yeah, but yeah, it, like, it just... I don't want to admit that I'm agreeing to a ceasefire, but exactly. I'll, I will stop fighting and work alongside you. But it feels like uh, how all of these different races would actually react, in, like yeah. if this was a live action show. So I think they they actually. Did a pretty good job with that, you know. Watching watching lower decks, you have to sometimes think like, okay, if this was live action, they would probably wouldn't do this thing because it's a little too goofy or whatever. So I kind of think of like lower decks as being through a slightly different lens. It's the same stuff is happening, but maybe just amplified a little bit more or tweaked to be funny. Yeah, I know the part of the show's objective is you know not only does it have to be a Star Trek show, but there's certain you know certain things you need to pull off to be a successful animated comedy, right? And sometimes I don't like those choices being in Star yeah. Trek, but for the most part, most of them work better than I would have thought. Uh, yeah. If you described <laughs> the show to me like five years ago, I'd be like, oh, that does not sound good. <laughs> and if it's if it's funny enough, like if it, if it makes me laugh, I can I can be very yeah. forgiving. So it's just like the ones that don't make me laugh. Those are the ones where I'm like, oh, did you really need to do that? But I think I, I like the show a lot because my my sense of humor is very much like you know, laughing at the fact that the credits were hitting Boimler in the face and in a uh, crisis point or that they stepped over the letterboxing. To me, that kind of stuff is really funny. And so the fact that they have a lot of that humor is is helpful for me. You pointed out when we watched this episode, when they jump from the cliff on top of that bird of prey to, to mm-hmm. reclaim the ship. That is a, that is a bit of a long jump. That's a but really far jump. <laughs> like an ankle breaking jump. Uh huh. Um, so I don't know if there are maybe, any maybe it's not as far as it than... looks like, but it no, that's that is far. 
<laughs> I guess Boimler, Boimler made that. Yeah, Boimler's got human legs, so I don't. But we don't know yeah. the gravity on this planet. It could be a little lighter oh, there you go. gravity. So I mean, like that also... glass falling, like it wasn't like you know, like going through their like whole bodies or like you know, it's like yeah. high velocity glass. So maybe it's a light gravity planet. That That's why the be. trees are so tall. It's like there's not there's yeah. not, not as much gravity. There, I like that. Um, <laughs> also, to kind of echo the Star Wars-ness of the other planet. This kind of felt a little bit like the tracking station that's in the middle of Endor or whatever the... It looked a lot like that. Yeah. That was another thing I was... I didn't like people... I think I intentionally didn't get like a good screenshot of it last night because I was like, I don't want to look at this Endor Ewok shit (laughs) when I'm trying to watch Star Trek. (laughs) I, I like that it can be referenced without feeling completely out of place. Unlike there was was a comic book that I saw once that was... uh, I think it was the... The create the uh, what George Lucas's original, you know, the Star Wars. Oh yeah, like, they Marvel did, it did as that. Com- yeah, yeah. If you look at all of their computer screens, they're L cars, like just copied and dropped in there. Like, oh, this is like sometimes they're upside down, but it's just like this is just I'm Star Trek. That. Like, why is that? I sent it to Mike Okuda once. He's like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I think that's on the uh, the the Marvel Unlimited app. I read the first hmm. issue on there years ago. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go read some more and see if I see any L cars. But um, the retaking of the bridge, you know, I guess Ma'ag gets revenge over this traitor. They don't, I like, they don't spend, like, a ton of time on that. And I was like, okay, like, this guy took, like, the, the ship from the Klingon. The Klingon's going to be mad. Like, you know, we kind of, like, know all this stuff. It's kind of predictable. So it's like, mm-hmm. just take care of it super fast. Make yeah, that it was satisfying nice. with the cool, like, yep. the pink blood all over the face, <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's, it's violent as hell. So it's very Klingon, Pepto but it's also... Yeah, it's, it's, he, it looks like he's been chugging Pepto-Bismol. So it, it's lower yeah. decks comedy, too. Good choices. Good yeah. choices with all that. So with that, like, you know, you go into like a room with like red painted walls. Yeah. And like that's it's kind of stressful to just even yeah. exist oh, yeah. there. Is that what it so is for I, Klingons in a pink room? Well, I think that's like why Romulans like green stuff so much. Because to oh. them, they think that that's like blood. That's like, that's you know, interesting. Like, to them, like that's like the like aggressive, scary color is green. Yeah. Uh, but we see, uh, we see back on the other planet, Freeman and Shax and Rutherford in what appears to be Nick Locarno's hangar that he's also using as a base for the mystery ship. And mm-hmm. we get that reveal. Um, and, th- and then it cuts to Mariner waking up on the mystery ship with Locarno. <laughs> yeah, and the the, the uh, minimalist ship. Yeah. So it's, uh, it is an interesting um, interior. Got, I don't know. I like how they drew Nick Locarno. He's got like actual differences between, you know, like he got the scruffy beard or scruffy like stubble on his face but he's got like gray stri- uh streaks in his uh yeah. and also at some point he got a scar above his right eyebrow or in the middle of his right eyebrow yeah it's good that they added those you know details yeah. to distinguish him from how tom paris appeared on on lower decks yeah. in season two because he could um, be older than tom paris probably yeah would be, i mean he? not a lot uh, but... they'd probably be around the same age i think oh, okay. but he just had different genetics even though they looked identical <laughs> <laughs> i mean for all we know, that similarity might get explained in in the next yeah, episode. Yeah, I kind of so. hope they don't. I just like I don't want it to be like like oh, and that's why they looked exactly the same. I'm like, uh, okay. I would have been happy with them outdoing it, but I I think that they're going to. So I'm bracing okay. for it now. But I there's there's two examples that I would be pretty okay with. One is that he's a transporter clone, and that's just because that's been like a recurring thing they've already established in the show. And just like, oh yeah, I was just like I changed my last name and uh, whatever. Either that, or he has just like a He's like a twin brother, but he uses his middle name for his last name or something. And they're going to say like, oh, that's why Beckett 
Freeman calls herself Beckett Mariner because her name is Beckett Mariner Freeman and she doesn't want to go by her last name. She doesn't want to go by her parents' name in Starfleet and neither did Nick Locarno Paris. I think that might be a possibility. That would be so weird because you have like all the, you have seven years of Voyager without Tom Paris. He never mentions a transporter clone. He never mentions a a brother. He never mentions anything. And Janeway's uh, biography talks a lot about like, that he's she's known Tom Paris since he was like a little kid because she knew Admiral Paris. So I feel like she at some point would have referenced something about that happening. But uh, yeah, no, I just, it, it, you know, keeping it in the Star Wars uh, frame of reference, like we don't need a solo movie. We just we don't need him to be not everything needs to be explained. Yeah, a solo movie was like, just here's a Wikipedia that uh, <laughs> entry that came to life. <laughs> like, OK, thanks. It was a good movie if it wasn't Han Solo. Every everything weird. we've ever everything we ever knew about the guy. Like yeah, the, the, the dumb that. name. It's like it's Solo is a perfectly fine in-universe Star Wars name. There was no need to make it like a oh, thing. Oh, I forgot that was a thing. That Imperial officer, like he like yeah. he was like, hmm, you need a name. How about uh, on Solo? You're I was like traveling Solo. Yeah, you just pulled that out of your ass. It was like the coolest name for like a badass space dude is Han <laughs> Solo, and this guy just like just just spitballed it out you know, on the spot like that. Like wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I should go to Helm whenever you need like a cool name for something. I don't know. I don't. I don't have any other thoughts on the reveal. I don't have. I don't really have many theories. I guess I have one, but I don't know. What, what do you, you have? Any speculative thoughts? Yeah. No. I'm. The only thing I can think of is that somehow it's connected to Section Thirty One Boimler because he's he's a transporter clone. He's now kind of yeah. spun off. But uh, like, no, I I don't. I just I kind of am glad that I don't. I mean, like, I don't, like okay, it's gonna be this. I know for sure. But no, I don't. I maybe if I just sat and watched it a couple more times, I might something might click. But but so far, no, I just I'm just along for the ride, which I enjoy, actually, especially like, you know, us doing podcasting and stuff. And then sometimes seeing it before people. It's like not not knowing what's happening is actually kind of a luxury. Yeah, it is. That's why I like stuff like because I feel like I have to know so much about Star Trek. I have to like anytime a trailer for like a new show comes out, I go and have, have like, to like screenshots of everything. And yeah. It, 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 you know, anytime like there's any news, like I read like every art, anytime like an actor has been cast or a show has been greenlit or delayed or whatever, you know, it's, and I, I love doing that. But yeah, I do have like an obligation to stay on top of all that. But yeah, it's kind of fun with like other stuff with like a lot of like Marvel and DC stuff. I just like, I just won't watch the trailers. I'll just be like, I'm just going to wait till it's out and toss it on and have like no idea what the hell's going in and go in blind. And it is fun to get to do that. So I love being caught off guard and being surprised and I am. Yep. I'm really curious. It seems to me he's building his own fleet. He wants like his own. I think he wants to be in command yeah. of his own team. He, he's he's still kind of on like that Nova Squad thing. Like he wants to have like his his group of like the elite. And so I think he, I think we're gonna see like not only like that bird of prey that that had his his covert starburst symbol on it, but I think we're gonna see like the binar ship come back and the Romulan warbird. You know the cool like vertical warbird. So I think we're gonna yeah. see like it in action, you know, fighting the Cerritos. I think we're going to see like, it's sort of like a, a less noble Fenris Rangers. Yeah. But well, that's a, that's a good question. It's like, well, what is his object? Like, what does he yeah, want like this group for? Like, what that's are they what do? I'm trying to figure. That was, that's the, I think if we can answer <laughs> that question and probably fill in a lot of gaps, but that I, I don't know. It's like less like we know that Cedo Jackson is alive and we're going to go get her or something like, like, eh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think her death is, um, it, it's, it's a good motivation for Mariner and they just should kind of yeah. like, let, 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 Cedo be Mariner's Uncle Ben or yeah. Thomas and Mar Thomas and Martha Wayne for Batman, but or um, 
Martha and uh, Jonathan Kent <laughs> for, for for Superman later in life. Yeah. Well, they sometimes they're alive. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, or a lot of times Jonathan Kent dies. Yeah. And mom's um, just alive for longer. She she sends a she yeah she has better luck <laughs> in most uh, most depictions. Jonathan not so much. He's got about fifty fifty odds. <laughs> But yeah, I don't like what would he be trying? Like, what if it's just like, I just want to have like some really badass ships and we're going to do like the most amazing flight maneuvers you have ever. Like, have you ever seen? Well, he a- said he's going to create some trouble. So I don't think, I don't think like, hey, we're going to have a, a, a air show. Oh, <laughs> you want to see trouble, Aaron? Imagine like a vertical Romulan warbird doing a culvert starburst. Like, I mean, what what could be more troublesome than that? I'm- well, you'd need more than one. You know, like, so they're all doing yeah, like, that. Would so- be- then it has no see if you get all the different ships doing that, it's not symmetrical. It doesn't look nice, like from a graphic design standpoint. Like now, he's got it choreographed. <laughs> he's 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 been he's been when he was in prison, he was he was making plans. He was cooking this up. So, or did he go to prison? I don't remember what I he. Don't uh, no, I don't. Did we ever find out? I, I was going to go back and watch the first duty, and I forgot to do that. I mean, he. Yeah, this weekend, I know he got in more trouble than the rest of them, and everyone yeah. else. They had to re- they had to repeat that year at the academy. And then he had something that was much worse. I assume it was prison related, but it might yeah. not. Yeah, I'll double check. It, I mean, yeah, it's also the 24th century, so who knows what, like you know, what we think yeah. of prison. By prison, I mean like their ref- reformation. Right. Um, I mean, maybe therapy, he went to to, to New Zealand for a, you know, yeah, a couple months or with something. with with real Tom Paris, is fake Tom yeah. Paris and real yeah, Tom right. Paris. Bust, that's bust where the they switched. In New Zealand. Oh, that's where they switched. This is actually oh. Tom Paris, and the other oh. one is Nick Lacarno, and that's how. It's no, been. what if? What if Nick Lacarno? What if Tom Paris was never Tom Paris, and That's... Nick Lacarno went to the New Zealand prison colony, <laughs> and and he killed Tom Paris, and he's there like busting rocks like he's Tom Paris, and like Janeway shows up and like, oh, so you're Tom Paris, and huh? I guess you're coming with us on Voyager. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. There, there's so many weird. But things. then who would this guy be? Then how is <laughs> right. he? Yeah, back he's to not Nick there. Lacarno no, here. I, so just okay. which place, like the Prince and the Popper kind of a thing, you know? Or... This is this is fun, but I can I can be yeah. patient and wait till oh, next yeah. week. But it, if anyone else has any suggestions, you know, I'm I'm cur- always curious to hear from y'all. So. Re- realistic or unrealistic uh, ideas, we, both are fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any final yeah. thoughts on the inner fight before we go into the Gorn eggs? No, I'm. I think we've probably talked about most of it. All right. Well, it, we have our Gorn eggs section. That's for the Easter eggs, in jokes, and continuity connections. We thought are worth sharing. I'll um, get through these pretty quick. But starting off, the inner fight, as Jill47 pointed out at the, <laughs> the top of the, the show when I was calling the, the episode the inner light instead of the inner fight, that is the uh, a reference to a TNG episode. A lot of folks know the inner Horrible light. Horrible Picard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Picard dreamed that he, uh, I guess, had a family on a planet that got destroyed by climate change, and, um, and then it was all a dream, and he woke up and went back to normal. But it was it was good. Most people really like it. I like the concept of it. It's a really interesting science fiction concept. And I think if it was made today, it would have had a lot more impact on him because he, they say his brain, it feels like he literally lived a life. And that's, you don't just go back to work the next day. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it you would feel like relatively quickly or something. Maybe it's something where your brain starts to re- just reset. It must. Cause you got to think like, like, Oh, that was like pr- a weird dream, you know, or something. From his perspective, he'd be like, I haven't been on this ship for 40 years. Yeah. You know, it would be like how he's thinking about it or however long he, he lived yeah. this life. He could. There's no way he could have gone back to normal that quickly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that's that was our headcanon that it just sort of fades relatively quickly, but leaves the memories there of, you know, what happened. Uh, Aaron, you also pointed out that the uh, anti-venom suits have a very uh, similar design to the 
TOS environmental suits, whatever these <laughs> the beekeeper suits. <laughs> yeah, whatever these machines that are like on like yeah. the front like chest area, like where the helmet connects to the suit, like whatever that stuff. I'm is. assuming that's where like I don't know why you want to put it on the outside like that. Though it's like the you know air tubes and coolant and all that stuff runs through there. But I guess that'd yeah, be the I, I kind of thought put it. it was like controls because there's kind of like knobs and stuff. Yeah, you could like adjust your suit. I mean, nothing's labeled or anything, but yeah. Whatever Except for is, their names there's... and that weird, like, looks like a somebody took a label maker and stuck it on there. I think that oh, was yeah. their names. They, well, that was for season three when they had their budget cut. Like that's kind of going the extra mile for yeah. for the original series season three. True. Maybe they had a break right before they shot that one. You know, sometimes <laughs> that happens. You get like a little bit. You get like a little bit more production value because you had like a long break going into an episode. That happened when um, Michael Westmore designed the Cardassians uh, for. Th- the wounded in the next generation. Mm-hmm. It came out with this like extremely elaborate design because like they, they had, they had like their Christmas break and shooting or something before they shot that one. And so he's like, Oh, I'm going to do like this, like really elaborate makeup that I normally would not have time for. And oh, that's you know, cool. I would only, I would only do it for like this, this up, but then because he can make like this really <laughs> elaborate Cardassian design, they're like, Hey, we're going to do like deep space nine. There's going to be Cardassians <laughs> on that show all the time. And he was like, Oh my God, that's, a, that's, that's like the hardest oh. alien to do. And you're going to make me yeah, do exactly. that for so many different characters. It did get simplified. I think if you look at them, they do like the neck area and stuff. There's a lot of stuff that seemed like it changed. Yeah, I think it got it got better. Or maybe I'm just more used to the later version, but I that's what I prefer. The other no longer active former Starfleet people that are out and about somewhere that Starfleet is looking for before the mystery mystery ship kills them or whatever it's doing. Yeah. But we had seven of nine who we know was no longer doing Starfleet stuff because they wouldn't let her in Starfleet and she walked out. Even though Janeway went to bat for her, it just didn't yeah. help. Even though Janeway threatened to quit, and Dr. Crusher, who at this point, she she is hiding somewhere with baby Jack. So he's, he's probably less or than a year old. Or pregnant with baby Jack. Yeah, or she could be pregnant. We, then we have Thomas Riker, the uh, the transporter clone of William Riker. Last time we saw him, he was stealing the Defiant for the Maquis, and then he went to Cardassian prison. Never to be heard from again until now. And we still don't really know exactly the deets on him, but maybe someday. And then when they start their uh, girls trip plus Boimler to Lynn says, <laughs> it will be 2.47 times more perilous if you remain uninformed of the details. So love the the 47. Mm-hmm. It feels like in Discovery, they were adverse to that. They would get like 46 and 48. I'm like, come on. Like, it's like they're doing it yeah, on purpose. They had they had like a 47 in season one, and then they had like one in season two. And it's like, they won't they won't give me any more. I was like, yeah. just give me a 47. <laughs> uh but I don't think there was any in Picard seasons one or two, but then they had one in three. Oh, there might not be. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but the, I like seeing the bar muds. I liked uh, Harry mm-hmm. Mud continuing to have some presence in Star Trek, originally introduced in the original series, but uh, most recently seen in Discovery. It, he would be hard to bring back for Strange New Worlds because they technically can't have Spock meet him because right. Spock didn't know him. In but Spock women. is off doing something else and he's not there. But they're probably going to start throwing more TOS people on Strange New Worlds. Probably like eventually we're going to have like... We got Corby coming probably, so... Yeah, I don't like Scotty and Chapel and Uhura are already in the show, could so... bring what's-his-name from uh, Axanar, um, the one that Kirk's... Oh, Kirk's, Garth of Izar? Uh, Garth of Izar, yeah, the one that, that Kirk was in, in love with, basically. Yeah. He could be in there somehow. Although I don't know, given that the, the whole fan film Axanar thing, I'm not sure what the thought process on that would be. <laughs> Yeah, they're probably, unfortunately, because I think it would be cool to use Garth for something. They're probably not going to want to yeah. use that character. But oh well. But I, I did like the uh, the Jippers are half-priced for tripods today line. Um, yeah. 
Oh, that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> Tripedal species. And the Balak uh, puppet, of course, that goes back to uh, when we saw a puppet that looked almost just like that. In... Yeah, it looks so. It looks worse than the cartoon. That's what's hilarious. <laughs> it's like the cartoon looks more realistic than the puppet. Yeah, the cartoon, you have like veins and stuff on the forehead. Yeah, a little bit of a glow behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I think uh, Wad Chang did this, probably. But I don't know. Maybe someone else. What I'd imagine, like, would pop up at a like a really cheap haunted house, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a I have the toy of this guy though. I have like I bought the Playmates action figure set that it included Baylock himself. It's like a little kid, and he's got like his Tranya cup in his in his hand. So he, like it's kind of cool. He looks like he's drinking, and then and That's it cool. came with this dude, the puppet, and it came with a uh, uh, Kirk, the uh, four inch uh, Kirk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't I don't have like the cardboard part that was like the background of. Of like it was like the set of like his ship when they like go over and go inside right. and hang out with them. Um, I don't have that part anymore. I still have like the three action figures themselves. I don't know what I did with the card, but I guess I threw it away because you know this is made out of paper and doesn't last well. But yeah, and we were talking about uh, Nick Locarno from the first duty, and his symbol is uh, I think a, a clear representation of the Colvert starburst. Yeah, that he that he wanted to be kind of his, uh, you know, his big famous signature move. Look how cool I am with my squad right before I graduate the academy. I think when this first came out, I called it the Cobalt Star Maneuver, and my brain will not unlearn that. <laughs> it's not what it is, but it's just like that's what I want to say every time. And there it is. There you can see it here. This is the, uh, the the best shot that I had of it on the Klingon Bird of Prey wing, which they should take that off now that the uh, the people we like are in command of the ship. Um, but yeah, that makes me wonder. I, I think that they're going. They're, if they're going to fight Locarno's forces, they're going to be up against uh, maybe a Romulan warbird, and I don't know what 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 would the Binars ship? I don't know. Maybe the Binars have like they're advanced. They could have like some crazy capabilities. Maybe it just the, scrambles your computers or whatever. Like in the that we got like that new Ferengi ship. We saw like that was a new design from a few episodes ago. So that's there. The, those Cardassians we saw. We don't really know where they. I guess there's a Cardassian ship and Locarno's. Yeah, we didn't see that. Um, But yeah, I don't know what they're. I don't know why he has like that super powerful beam that can appear to destroy ships, but actually like beam people. Yeah, there's. I feel like he didn't design that himself. Maybe he did, but it's like. Yeah. That's why I feel like maybe there's somebody else involved, like a bigger boss. I'm I'm sure it'll all be explained next week. Maybe not. Maybe they'll save some stuff for for season five. But I I think I think they're going to wrap all this up. And then, yeah, I think I actually think Section 31 Boimler, they're just they're saving that for that's good. Section 31 stuff will happen in season five. They kind of know it's going to be something Lynn got saved for, you know, it's when they introduce it and then bring it back a season later. Because, like, I don't know. I just don't I don't see like Locarno having any connection to anything 31 would be doing. No. Well, who knows? They could have recruited him. Yeah, I mean that would explain like the technology side. They they get like the most yeah. advanced toys. Yep. Mm. I'm just excited to find out, and not really too concerned that I don't know. <laughs> if this was like now to be continued next year, that would be a little bit of a different. <laughs> <laughs> like like strange new worlds giving us the uh, yeah. the best of both worlds treatment. It, and the thing is, it wasn't so bad when it was best of both worlds because it wasn't that long of a wait. It was the summer. So it was like May to September or something like that with with streaming shows now, and especially with the strike. Who knows when they're going to come back, you know? But uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, watching or listening. I hope you come back next week and uh, talk about 
the finale with us and, and take part in the live chat. Or if uh, you want to give us feedback some other way, you can always uh, reply to my tweets on Twitter or my posts on, I guess you can only say tweets on Twitter, which doesn't even, I guess tweets don't exist anymore. It's X post, blue sky post, Mastodon post, Instagram grams. <laughs> or those called p- grams or posts, I guess I'll call them posts. But whatever, you reply and I'll uh, I'll, I'll share stuff uh, from there, or uh, you can talk to us in the TextRack Discord server or um, wherever. But uh, I do need to say thank you to the uh, lovely Patreon supporters. So thank you so much, Starfleet So Hell, Cake is Eternal, Crazy Touchy, Joanne Robertson, John Daw, Geek Filter, Earl Grey Trekkie, Quarks Bar, Benjinium, Stephanie Durantes, Matthew Averett, Braxton Chucke, and our anonymous supporters. We'll be back uh, Friday night, 7 p.m. Central for the live show and available to listen wherever you get your podcast. Until then, as always, live long and prosper, y'all.